Blog Talk Radio. Joined once again by one silver. What's up, man? Hey, good evening, Logan, and happy New Year to everybody, all the classic wrestling fans. As we talk about the most influential tag team of the last thirty some years, the Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors. Yeah, man. I mean, I don't think there's a uh, uh, somebody our age that likes wrestling that like doesn't know about the Road Warriors. I mean, I think they're probably the one of the most recognized tag teams in the history of tag teams. I would I would say they are the most recognizable tag team of all time, period. Yeah. And uh they're so memorable, such a great gimmick, man, like the fucking most awesome gimmick probably of any tag team ever. So oh, yeah. uh, we have these look at how many teams ripped off and imitated the Road Warriors. Yeah. Constantly being imitated, constantly being copied, and they always had to come into that territory and kick the ass of the copy, you know, and that's what they always did. So You had uh, the, the Blade Runners, which was Sting and the Ultimate Warrior. You had Demolition. You had, oh, just one after another of all these. See, the, the promotions couldn't get the Road Warriors, so they went and got their own ripoffs, and they were horrible. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, some say the uh, Demolition wasn't half bad, you know, and they, they had Chris and Khrushchev and the... Uh, the Mass Superstar, right? Oh, yeah, well, Mass Superstar was a tremendous worker. The only thing is, these guys had fucking cuts. You're supposed to be all badasses, and you had one guy who was balding with, with, with a gut, and the other guy who was muscular on top but had a gut as big as his chest, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they all had, they both had uh, guts and comb-overs, but you know what? You know, it's like, when I was a kid, I recognized that. Like, I saw the roadways were just like, you know, there was only a few people that looked like the Road Warriors. Like, you know, it was Nikita. It was, uh, you know, some certain other people, but, like, not and, not uh, many people looked like that. Nikita came out of the same camp as uh, the Road Warriors, so they would have the same look. Matter of fact, um, it, from reading um, Animal's book, I believe Nikita and Animal were best friends. Animal Hawk really weren't that tight. Nikita and Animal were. Yeah, well, uh, they they definitely yeah. You could tell they came out of the same academy there, but uh, but let's let's go back to the early part of this uh, tag team here. We should also say that there would be no uh, Ultimate Warrior were there not any uh, Road Warriors. But Blade Runners were the Memphis version of the Road Warriors, which Sting, which was um, Sting and the Ultimate Warrior. I think the names at the time were Sting and Rock or Sting and Blade, some shit like that. Yeah. Ultimately, we got to give this shit uh, to the um, uh, it was it the movie right? Uh, the movie Mad Max. Mad Max got the road warrior, road, the road warrior gimmick from, and um, I believe uh, Lord Humongous was in that movie too. Another another uh, copycat off the movie. Well, anyway, so these movies they make big 
splashes onto the uh, wrestling world, and this was no different. So here you have a, a team that, like, right from the beginning, right out of the gate, they were green as hell, but they were, like, huge, right? What happened was in Georgia in Georgia Championship Wrestling, 1983, it was, I believe, June of 83, their, their main heel tag team was the tag team of Matt Bourne and Arn Anderson, managed by Precious Paul Ellering. What happened was Matt Bourne, I think, either failed a drug test or got caught with cocaine and had to be fired. So they made Arn Anderson a singles wrestler, and they brought in a new tag team, a green tag team, of the Road Warriors, Animal and Hawk. So and this is uh, what year? 1983, and they do a tag team tournament, and they win the tag team tournament, and they they debut on Georgia Championship Wrestling, World Championship Wrestling, TBS Wrestling, as the national Georgia tag team champions. And at that time, were they coming to the ring with Iron Man? Uh, I, I believe so, but they weren't coming to the ring with what you saw in WCW, AWA, and WWF. They came to the ring looking like uh, members of the village people. <laughs> well, you mean they had like more like... Uh... I hear what you mean. Like that, they were more leather than in there, the shoulder pads. Yeah, they they had the leather pants, leather jacket. They had the little the little hat that one of that one of the, the the one of the fag members of the village people wore. I believe they, so they, wore. Both, they dress like Shawn Michaels, like used to dress yeah. sometimes. You know? And with a little bit of face paint, not the face. They had face paint, but not what you see later on. It was a more like mascara and shit. If you ask me, Hawk got the shittier deal with the uh, mohawk, you know, like, you look like you're bald, and the other guy looks like he's got a mohawk. But He made it fashionable. He hooked it up. It looked good on him. Oh, I know. It was good, but I'm just saying, like, if I had to choose, I would have the mohawk. But uh, but anyway. Uh, it was, it was, it, it blended well. One had the traditional mohawk. One had uh, the mohawk that he had, the, the one that Hawk had, but he made it look cool. I guess because it's. Head was shit the way it was. It made it look cool. Oh, he made it look cool as shit. And the thing is, is that he was uh, probably the, the tougher of the... I mean, he looked like the, the guy who could really fuck someone up more than uh, even uh, Animal. But uh, They were both ass kickers. But yeah, that Hawk was the tougher of the two, but you wouldn't want to fuck with Animal in a fucking uh, dark alley. No, sorry. No, sorry. No, so these dudes, they, they, they don't even come really from Chicago, do they? They're both from Minneapolis. Okay, so they... they Nikita Koloff didn't come from the Soviet Union. He came from Minneapolis. They all... Uh, Rick Rude, the also, uh, Rick Rude, the Road Warriors, and Nikita Koloff all came from the same camp, Eddie Sharkey's um, camp out of, out of Minneapolis. And being that Minneapolis was the heart of the AWA, um, they, would be tra- they would be trained in that area, and eventually... All four Rude never wrestled in the AWA, but the other three would. I love that man. Like so, Ric Flair was not from Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh no, but the, no, no. Ric Flair, when he originally started wrestling, was from Minneapolis. But when he went to when he went to Crockett in seventy four, seventy five, he made Charlotte his home. So Ric Flair hasn't lived in Minnesota in over forty years. Well, okay, that's fair. Well, in any case, uh, these guys never from Chicago, but always known, you know, for their Chicago street fights. I mean, at least they lived in Charlotte. The Royal Warriors never lived in Chicago. Right, right. Well, in any case, they got this uh, 
they got this uh, gimmick going. And, you know, as a kid, I just remember, first of all, the, the Road Warriors were the only one of the only tag teams that had, like, action figures for every federation. You know, you saw them in the AWA. They had action figures. Then you, they had end up. It would be a collective right? dream if we would have to ask Carl Stern this. It would be, I wonder if, how much is your, your collection worth if you have all three original Road Warrior figures from the AWA, NWA, and the WWF? Well, yeah, because I remember you could you could go into stores and, you know, AWA and NWA, I guess they overlapped a lot because a lot of the people that you saw in one would pop up in the other real fast. Because in 1980. 1980- uh, in 1984, the AWA and um, territories of the NWA formed the company Pro Wrestling USA, which they would tour the United States with their talent. So you would see a lot of wrestlers go back and forth. The Road Warriors and uh, the Coloss were prime examples of guys that wrestled for both Crockett and AWA at the same time. Okay, yeah. So so you'd end up with figures from both, like, in packages and shit like that. So you have and the Freebirds too. I mean, I don't know about the Freebirds going back and forth to the NWA, but uh, well, the, but, you know, the Freebirds were in the WWF for about three weeks. Um, they were in. They then went to AWA, which is the first match we'll be talking about here. Uh, they would go to UWF, Crockett for a little while, and then back to Dallas. So and there would be a possibility of the Freebirds having figures in all three, but I don't, they didn't stay long enough for the WWF to have one. They might have one now, being that the WWF has a classic. I think they do a classic um, a wrestler set. So they might have might have it now, but not back then. Real quick, let me run down the matches that we're talking about. We'll be talking about from September 28th, uh, 1985, a match in Chicago's Comiskey Park, uh, AWA Super Clash, a pro wrestling USA event, the Road Warriors defending the AEWA World Tag Team Championship against the fabulous Freebirds, uh, Michael Michael Hayes and Terry Bam Bam Gordy. Then from there, we go to October 1988, the Road Warriors turning on Sting uh, in a tremendous match against the Varsity Club. It was a great match up until the turn. That'll be the second match we talk about. It did a match I attended off, based off this. This was great. This was great for uh, 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 this, this angle was great as far as drawing the crowd to this card because during the commercial after the turn, I'm living in New Orleans at the time, and a commercial comes up with, oh, we're coming to New Orleans, and we're going to have the main event, the, uh, the Road Warriors, going up against the World Tag Team Champions, the Midnight Express, October 29th, 1988, from New Orleans, Louisiana, a match that I attended. It was the first title change that I'd ever seen live. Well, this is so. So we're going to talk about this uh, title now. Like, uh, this is an AWA title that they won from who? They defeated back in August. They had this title for a year. In August of 1984, they defeated the Crusher and I would have Baron von Roschke for the World Tag Championship. And what's weird is that uh, Baron Von Raschke and looks like the Crusher were going to go up against the Russians after this. Uh, what happened year. was the Road Warriors came into the AWA in the summer of 1984 after everybody remembers Black Saturday, July of 1984. I believe it was July 14th, 1984. Vince McMahon takes over TBS and um, he takes over the ton of 605. 
p.m. time slot. He goes into the locker room, and he tries to hire as many people as he can from Georgia. Most of them bounced. Only a few stayed. And the Road Warriors, instead of going with McMahon, went straight to the AWA from there. And that's where a month later they would win the AWA World Tag Team titles from the face team. Crusher and Barron were faces. Road Warriors came into the AWA as heels. But they were quickly uh, turned face, I guess, right? No, they stayed heels for a while. They they feuded with Crusher and Baron Von Roski. They feuded with the High Flyers, Greg Gagne, and Jumpin' Jim Brazil. Then they feuded with uh, the, the Fabulous Ones. Then they feuded, feuded with the Hennings, uh, Kurt and Larry Henning. And it wasn't until the Freebirds came into the Federation, into the AWA, that the Road Warriors uh, went from heel to babyface. Yeah, because at this point, man, they were a big-time babyface. And uh, they, yeah, so they tore through. I mean, that's a way to rise. Like, if you're, like, a killer tag team like the Road Warriors, like, you start out as a heel team, and you just run through people, you know. And uh, people... The fans got tired of rooting for a teams that had no chance. Real. If you want to say wrestling is real, how are these midget teams, like the Fabulous Ones, like uh, the High Flyers, oh, uh, Kurt Henning and Larry Henning were were, were, were were big guys, but one was 90 years old. So how the fuck are these teams going to beat the Road Warriors? So finally, the fans started cheering the Road Warriors because they're destroying all these teams. And perfect intro for the Freebirds to come in, start an angle, and they feuded throughout the summer of 1985 into early fall with the Road Warriors. So which, where is this in the feud? This is the end of the feud. This is right, right towards the end of the feud because... Both teams would leave the AWA shortly after this match. All right, so they get into this uh, this uh, fight here. I mean, it's at first it's um, I mean it's basically I think it's it's Hawk just going uh, on Gordy and Gordy basically getting uh, uh, going outside, then coming back and um, fucking around with uh, I think it's uh, after yeah, then the animal comes in. Some power moves on, and you know, it's just like some brawling. Then you got uh, what, what's the um, the manager, Paul Jones? Right, she's Paul Ellery. Oh yeah, no, I mean, but who's on the manager on the other side? Oh, the manager on the other side is Buddy Roberts. Right, they start, Roberts. They're, yes. they're fighting each other outside, so it's a big melee, basically. Like the, uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of like uh, I, I watched this a little bit like a long time ago, so I don't remember exactly like, some of the big spots in this match. But the the uh, the, the overall end result was that the uh, they it looked like they won. Well, I mean, well, they got like Animal was on top of um, Animal was on top of uh, Gordy, and while the referee was outside because Hawk was destroying Buddy Robertson outside of the ring, the referee went out to break it up. While that was going on. Michael Hayes jumped off the top rope and um, need uh, animal. Oh, wait, I know. And then yeah. Gordy gets the pin, and the Freebirds leave with the tag team titles, but Vern Gagne comes out, and this was great booking. The Comiskey Park was the first ballpark to have the big, the big uh, speed, the big uh, diamond vision is what they called it. It was like a 50 screen where fans could watch the matches from the cheap seats. He he went, Vergagne goes, can we play the replay on the Diamond Vision, please? And when the referee sees that the, that Michael Hayes interfered, causing the pin, 
the match is reversed, the result is reversed, and the, and the Road Warriors retain their AWA Tag Team Championship. Yeah, oh, one spot in here was that uh, Animal press slams Gordy. Oh, that was pretty incredible. Animal was always the stronger of the two. Uh, Hawk had the more impressive physique, but Animal was the stronger guy because I believe he had legs for tree trunks, while Hawk's legs weren't as big, weren't weren't that big. Well, Animal's still alive today, right? Yeah, Hawk died at forty one, forty two, while Animal is still alive. And well, Animal's son is a big time football star in the NFL for the St. Louis Rams. Well, yeah, man, he's got the gene to be like a, a tank. You see, this guy he's like built like a tank. So, and he went, he was around a lot longer than Hawk because uh, Hawk was done around like you know in the night, like yeah, like early 90s. 90s. Hawk would wrestle up until he died. But he would wrestle for shit like, oh, I got a spot show out in Totalwood, New Jersey, in front of a hundred people. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so together, like, like they, you know, they they both did much better together than they did apart. But in this case, success. Oh no, let me not say that. When Animal got hurt after their run in the WWF back in '92, he took two years off because of a London Lloyd's of London deal, insurance deal. During that two-year period, Hawk formed a team with Kazuki Sasaki as the Hellraisers, and they were very popular in Japan. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Um, so let's let's but go back to this uh, deal here. They so it looked like they almost you know like you said there was a it's almost like a dusty finish here, but uh, they they retained the belts, and then uh, who do they eventually drop it to? The next night in St. In, um, I believe it was in Minnesota or St. Paul. I believe it was in either Minneapolis or St. Paul. The next night, the Royal Warriors are leaving the territory. So there's no need for them to keep the title. They lose it in a fucking, you know, of course, a million things, a million people cheating. The Freebirds cost them the title. They lose the t- tag team title to one of the worst tag teams in the history of professional wrestling, gorgeous Jimmy Garvin and Steve Regal. Not the British wrestler. That's with the WWE development, or who wrestled in WCW, but a Minneapolis jobber named Steve Regal. This is William Regal? No, no, different Steve Regal, American Steve Regal. Oh, interesting. Okay, so uh, this guy is uh, that they they lose the jobbers because they're leaving the territory, and they're headed where to back to Crockett? Oh, straight to Crockett from there. Yeah. Crockett's the place to be, man. Now, Crockett is their most memorable run, probably, because... Without a doubt, people... Crockett, they, was, they were at Crockett from 1985 to 1990, and they had a spectacular run at Crockett. Now, they brought them in like Goldberg style, right? They would come in and just mow teams down. They wrestled in Georgia and AWA Goldberg style. And these guys, I mean, that's the only way you can book a team like this. You're not going to book a team like this, like... They, they get the big face heat where they get beat down and, and they make the baby face come back. That's just not going to work with two guys built like this. Right. And and it was perfect because – but they would they didn't really match them up against, like, name guys for a while. They just had them come in and destroy jobbers, right? First came in, they feuded with the Koloffs because that was natural and because you had Nikita with the, with the muscularity. They, they feuded with the Russians. Then they feuded with the Midnight Express culminating in that Starcade 86 scaffold match, probably the greatest scaffold match ever, ever to ever occur, the one in which Jim Cornette broke his leg. 
Then they would then they would feud with the horsemen. You know, you had the memorable War Games matches, uh, and, uh, match that we covered on the greatest uh, wrestling matches of all time series, and then the the match that destroyed the territory, the tag team championship match, the Arn Anderson and Billy Blanchard against the Road Warriors, Starcade '87 in Chicago. You got to give the the Road Warriors the belt. The Road Warriors win, but the Dusty finish, the belts are taken away. Uh, yeah. Well, you think that destroyed the... What did it destroy? Crockett never recovered from that. Unless <laughs> he sold the company. You know what, man? I remember watching that and being really disappointed. So, it yeah, I can see... It's horrible. The Finn, Chicago. Like, okay, in Comiskey Park, the first match we're talking about against the Freebirds. When the Freebirds win by cheating, they, they fucking motherfuckers throwing beer and shit at them. They're throwing shit because it's in Chicago. If they would have reversed that decision, a riot might have occurred. Now, three years later, same shit happens this time with the titles. Yeah, man. They, people must have been really outraged. I remember I was when I saw that. So uh, so when when this thing happens, like, okay, so they... they uh, that feud is where, over. Where did they go? After that, they have a feud with the powers of pain, right? And then the powers of pain... Now, the, the, go ahead. Well, did they accuse the Powers of Pain of copying their gimmick? No, what happened is uh, Paul Jones was the manager of the Powers of Pain, and he challenged the Road Warriors to a weightlifting contest. Great angle. They throw salt in both their guys' eyes, and they destroy Hawk and Animal with the weights. And so, and this was in January of 88. They feud throughout the spring, but then early, right before the summer occurs, the Powers of Pain defect the WWF. And so now the Road Warriors are left without without a, a team to wrestle. They would wrestle generic bums, Ivan Koloff, the Russian assassins. But they were mid-card at best. Finally, in the in the fall of 1988, Dusty Rose comes up with the idea there's nobody left for the Road Warriors to, to fight. The Midnight Express is a tag team champion, champions. The Midnight Express had just turned face. Let's turn the Road Warriors heel. And that's where we come up to the next match, October 1988, on a worldwide wrestling uh, television event. The Varsity Club, Kevin Sullivan, Mike Rotundo, and Rick Steiner versus the Road Warriors and Sting. Yeah, man. Like uh, this is, and and this is the famous angle where they decide that uh, they want to go their own way and and, and turn on Sting, but uh, but this match was was fun anyway. This was one of the, one of the great matches. Oh, this was a great fucking match. You know, Rick Steiner and Michael Tundra are great workers, and Kevin Sullivan's a great brawler, and um, Steiner took a hell of a bump off a clothesline from, from Hawk. I mean, he, he, he looked like he really got decapitated. Great fucking match. And the, the whole premise is you're watching this match. I remember watching this match in a, in a, in, in, in a game room in a, in a, in a, in a college dorm. We're watching this, and we're, uh, me and the guys watching this match in the, in the TV room are like, you know, Sting, they won't tag Sting in. What's up with this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you saw it kind of coming, right? And so Sting is uh, basically two Sting against three. It's two against three because they're not even looking Sting's way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they just keep um, doing their shit, and, and, like, they're doing okay. That Sting comes in and uh, he gives the Stinger splash and he. What happens, what happens is, what happens is uh, 
they, it, it becomes three or two in the ring, and the Sting comes in, and he helps destroy. Uh, who is it? Uh, Mike Rotundo. He, he, he gives Rotundo the Sting a splash. He puts the he puts the Scorpion Deathlock on Rotundo, and the Rollers look at each other like, "Wait a minute, we didn't tag this motherfucker in. What's he doing?" They push they push um, Sting off a of, off a of Rotundo, and they 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 confront Sting, and Sting's like. What's going on, baby? What's wrong? And then they destroy Sting. I mean, they decapitate him. They pick him up. They pick him up. He is um, at a hawk hits him with like a like a, a, like an axe drop, uh, like an axe drop off the top rope, which Sting is being held up, like like being pre- held up. And then they do they do that that great clothesline off the top rope. Where, where Sting does a 360-degree fucking bump. They destroy Sting. Oh, yeah, they just they just flatten Sting, man. And they keep... And then other people have to run in, and, like... And, and Luger runs in. And, they destroy, and, like, I'm... And you know what? Great booking on the part of Dusty Rhodes. This is the last great angle he booked up until he got uh, fired a few months later. This was a great angle, because if you're going to turn a tag team like the Rollers, you got to go... Have them turn against the top baby faces in the promotion, which at the time were Sting and Luger. Yeah, and now uh, did did this result in a match between them and Sting and Luger? Well, you know what? This is where Dusty fucked himself, you know, like he always did back towards the dying days of Crockett. Instead, the natural feud would be Sting and Luger versus the Road Warriors, right? Yeah, I wanted to see that after this match. I was like, all right, and I started looking for it on YouTube, and I couldn't find shit. Because they did wrestle in the house show, Sting and Luger, but at the Clash of Champions, it was Dusty Rhodes against the Road Warriors. And then at Starcade that year, which was Dusty's final match with, with Crockett, it was Dusty Rhodes and Sting versus the Road Warriors. Well, that might that might have been that probably was pretty good though. Uh yeah. Because of Sting. And Dusty was already past his prime, but it didn't make sense for Dusty Rhodes. To, I know the feud started because he didn't show up that night. Sting was his replacement. Oh, doesn't. But if they, they turned on Sting and Luger. I, they turned on Dusty also. But I think what it would have been better if maybe you would have had Dusty and Sting and Luger's corner making sure Precious Paul doesn't interfere instead of him taking the spotlight. Well, people wanted to see Luger go up against Hawker Animal. You know, I mean, they wanted to see that. So they, it's like they get to see that because they, that match never occurred on television. They, and it should have been, man, because that that would have been a money feud right there. Exactly, but, exactly. But it's it's this stuff. Culminates, these, culminates, this is because they turn now. This goes perfectly into the next match, the final match you're talking about, a match I attend, I attended. Municipal Auditorium, New Orleans, Louisiana, October 29, 1988. The Midnight Express, beautiful Bobby and Sweet Stan defending the World Tag Team titles, the NWA World Tag Team titles, against the aforementioned Road Warriors. Yeah, now these guys um, are faces huh, at this point, right? Yeah, because they they had feuded with the Horsemen, and Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson, before leaving to go to the WWF, uh, lost the titles to the Midnight Express. So okay, so this match, this is we're talking about Midnight Express versus uh, Road Warriors right now, right? Yes, from October 29th, nineteen eighty-eight. Yes, and this is basically an extended jobber match. I mean, they just fuck up the Midnight Express, dude. But it's 
it's fucked up. Like, um, right before, I think they attacked him before the bell, right? They, they throw Bobby Eaton to the post. He, he blades. He's knocked out. They beat him. Oh, and, and, and Hawk beats the shit out of him. Yes. Sits him down on the cement and doesn't let him even participate in the match. So it's basically like two-on-one from the beginning with Stan Lane. And Sweet Stan was great in this match, taking bumps and, and doing the karate. I love how he was fighting all three guys with the karate kick. <laughs> yeah, but it's, uh, pretty soon they caught up with him and just fucking laid waste to him. And, uh, yeah, it was just uh, a complete slaughtering. Um, what, how did, what was the finish of this? Okay, beautiful Bobby finally gets up, bleeding buckets, tags his tags in because Stan Lane's been destroyed, and beautiful Bobby does the babyface comeback, and the fans are going ape shit. Right, right, right. Until he runs into a clothesline from hell. I mean, he does a 360. That clothesline almost takes his head off. One, two, three. Road Warriors finally, after beating the promotion for three years, win the NWA World Tag Team titles. Wow, man, it's like way overdue, way overdue. But anyway, they... It was a year too late, Logan. Yeah, there you go. So, and they, you know, um, did they ever even have like a, like a big feud with uh, Tully and Arn or what? Tully and Arn, I already left to go to the dub. No, they had a feud with Tully and Arn back in 87. Okay, so they did get some uh, good matches off of that with that. That was the match that destroyed the, the, the promotion because Tully and Arn won by disqualification with a dusty finish when after the Roars had pinned them, the referee comes in and, and uh, overturns the, the decision and the crowd of Chicago almost rights. Right, right, right. Okay, so so here we're here. In, uh, so so they are the champions, and so where do they go from there? Uh, they would feud with, with Sting and Luger on the house shows, and they took on Sting and Dusty at the, at the Starcade. Dusty gets fired, and then the Road Warriors are turned face at the Clash of Champions in February when the Varsity Club turns on them. And so they feud with the Varsity Club, and they would lose the tag team titles to Dr. Dev, Steve Williams, and Mike Rotundo, and um, that would be the last time they'd hold the world tag team titles in the in the NWA. So then with their, uh, let's talk about their WWF runs. Well, they come in, they destroy Demolition, which only made sense because they're the copycats. And they would defeat the the Nasty Boys for the World Tag Team titles, I believe SummerSlam of 1991. Then at WrestleMania, uh, what's that, WrestleMania 8, they would lose the tag team title to Money, Inc., uh, IRS, and um, Ted DiBiase. And soon after that, they would lead the promotion. Uh, Hawk would so, the varsity, so the Varsity Club strikes again, man, right? Uh-huh. It's like another. It's, they're back. Yeah, and then um, Animal will take off a couple of years with the Lloyd's of London injury situation. Hawk wrestled in New Japan. Uh, Hawk comes back to WCW in 1994. Wasn't it? Wasn't they like not talking during that time? Yeah, because something? because Hawk and Kazuki Sasaki were originally going to be the new Road Warriors, and Animal, who who owned the rights to the name along with Hawk, was an ass. And he just pissed off, and he bitched about it. So that's when they changed the tag team name to the Hellraisers. Okay, so they were called the Hellraisers. And then that was a successful tag team, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that was a great tag team. I loved Hawk and um, Kazuke. Kazuke went by the name of Power, War, Power Warrior. Power Warrior. 
So finally, in 1995, they come back as a tag team in WCW, and they have a feud with Sting and Luger, and there was a great, great, great fucking uh, match. I believe it was uh, was a Super Brawl where uh, Luger didn't show up, and it was Sting and Booker T versus the Road Warriors, and that was a great match. It was a Chicago street fight. And and it's funny because they fight in the back and um, Luger handcuffs one of the road warriors while he's looking in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> and then late All right. late ninety six they would go to the WWF and um, Vince Russo and Vince McMahon just destroyed the uh, the, the road warriors. They they basically by the end of their run in ninety seven they were glorified jobbers. Yeah, it was it's sad, man. Like they really clowned them out, I guess. The angle where Adam Falk was an alcoholic and he was coming up, throwing up, and it was just it was they were destroying the image. I don't know what they they goof they made him goofy as hell, uh, and it was like they had made him goofy as hell the first time. Remember that uh, they had Rocco the puppet. What the fuck was that about? Yeah, and then they had uh, they yeah the puppet, and then they had like. Hawk, like, constantly saying, like, what a rush, you know, like. It was stupid. It was stupid. They made him into a cartoon character, which the WWF likes to do with other property that they took. And what they should have done is gotten rights to that song, uh, that's a real song they came in with. The version of that song was horrific. Yeah, and it's like, you want to hear that song, man. Like, that song makes them, dude. Like, people don't get that. Like, that shit, like, now when I watch, like, ECW and other things, like, on on the network, like, the songs aren't there, you know? So it's like, it's not the same, you know? You got to watch it on YouTube, you know? It's like, they they do that now with all the, all the songs on the uh, WWE network. They, like, they, they dub over. They do that with the Crockett shows and the Met South shows as well. Yeah, and you got fucking, uh, like, Smooth Operator with uh, Rick Rude and, like, all those different songs. And that was like, they're, they're... so for Rude as he comes Do-do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> that was the best, man. He's a pompous, arrogant heel, and he comes out to this pompous music. It was great. Yeah, Sade, man. I mean, you know, come on. Like, she's like, what? And, and then, um... You know, you had Dr. Death and Ted DiBiase would come out the ball. You got to write, you, you write an article on Sade, man, on uh, Super Friends. Uh, well, right now I'm doing the men. When I do the women, I definitely will be writing about Sade, Gladys Knight. But without a doubt, I'm, I'm, I'm up to number four on the men. Um, for, the, for, for people that, that, that follow us on Super Friends Universe, I'm doing the 10 greatest R&B male singers of all time. I just published number five, which is the great Ray Charles. Number four will be Marvin Gaye. And then once I'm finished with the men, I will dig into the women. And Sade is definitely one of the ten greatest female R&B artists of all time. And I will definitely be doing a bio on her. The very beautiful and luscious Sade. Yeah, and that shows you the uh, the pull of CM Punk, who was able to get his uh, cult of personality song. He was doing contract negotiations, and that was part of his. It, 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 CM, CM Punk got that because they didn't want to lose him. And then you had Hogan who had that Jimi Hendrix shit coming in, and, like, that shit was awesome, too. Like, they, you know, that that shows you how powerful that shit well, is. So. Hogan, when he first came back to the WWF in 1983-84, he came to the ring with the Eye of the Tiger, which was perfect for him. 
And then, they, then, then a year and a half later, they change it to a real American. Yeah, real American was bullshit, but whatever. It's still good. It's still a good song. I mean, I, I think it's okay. But uh, I, I, it's like Junkyard Dog came to ring to another one bites the dust. They changed it to grab them kicks. They they, they watered down the fucking. It made it a cartoon version. Yeah. So with the Road Warriors, they just played like some random like, it's like deep when, music. Rick Flair. They they had some. They had like a a bootleg ver. They did a bootleg version of of his songs. <laughs> Oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. They always butcher that shit. And it's like, dude, just pay the money because it's worth it. You'll make the money back, you know? It's like, they don't get it. But uh, but the Road Warriors, yeah, they should have, they totally, but you know what, man? I was still excited when they came to the WWF because, like, I just thought, okay, finally these guys have arrived, you know, like they're going to come and kick some ass here. And I was so happy to see them beat up Demolition and, like, man, like, what a poor imitation demolition was of this team, you know, like, although they are probably better workers. I don't know. I mean, uh, well, well, Max but, was, I don't know about Khrushchev. I always thought animal Hawk were underrated workers. I mean, they, they, they went on to have good matches with Ric Flair. And when, when they were in the, in the, um, in the NWA, they went from two minute job, job matches to 20 plus minute matches with the horsemen, with the midnight express, et cetera. So and, and when you're in the ring every night with a Tully Blanchard, Arn Anderson on the Midnight Express, you or Ric Flair, you have no choice but to improve your working style. Yeah, I mean, all the matches that I've always seen them in were really good. So I mean, that's how they they can't just be like, you know, because I saw I saw some of the um, they, even the matches they had with the Powers of Pain was that was a good match uh, with the Powers with that that Warlord guys and. It, uh, He's not good, right? I mean, hold oh, on, it's but, horrible. Barbarian would do most of the work in, work in that match, and yeah, they would, uh, the Barbarian would bump the Warlord was just a. He was just. I a, love that. Go ahead. I know, but I love that match because it was like these two guys, these teams, they look almost identical, and they're fighting. You know, like that was that was great. Um, but anyway, uh, the Road Warriors now when 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 they. Um, Let's see. It was like their final appearance in ECW or something. I don't know what the final. I think they. Um, I think after Hawk died, you had LOD Twenty First Century or some shit. I stopped watching wrestling at the time where um, Animal came in with another partner, and once again they were shitted on and clowned on until finally. Oh, he came in with draws. Oh, the guy who broke his neck. Yes. He got his neck broken. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know. Like, but I'm just saying, like the last time they were together was what Nitro? No, I um, I think the last time they were together was the WWF. I don't think they ever went back to WCW after the WWF. No, because they were at Nitro. They were on like they were '96. They were WCW before they went back to the WWF for their last one. Oh, they went back in like 2000 something, right? I know in 96 they were in WCW and they jumped to the WWF. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay, because I just remember them wrestling Luger and Sting in 96. Yeah, and they wrestled that match I was talking about, Sting and uh, Booker T. Right, right, right. Okay. So, yeah, this this is the, 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 the illustrious career. But the thing is, it's like I don't think people can really comprehend that we're from our generation just how – huge these guys were. They were in every magazine, like, 
those were the guys. Those are the pictures that people put up on their wall. You know, these guys were Hades. cute. Guys that were on the cover all the time on PWI were Hulk Hogan, Terry Von Erich, and the Road Warriors. Yeah. Like, they were the icons of the industry. Luger, then Luger. Lex Luger. Luger. Luger owes Bill after his life because after put him on the cover of all his magazines, and I think that's how Jim Crockett and McMahon learned about him and went into a bidding war for him. Well, Luger was the Johnny Come Lately because these guys were already big before Luger. Um, Late 85, and throughout 86 while in Florida, he was on every fucking cover of the Aftermaths. Oh, yeah, I remember him, man. I, I, I'd i see that big mullet, and I'd be like, man, that guy's ugly, but he's got a good physique. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Luger had the ugliest face I'd ever seen. I was like, damn, he looks... He kind of reminded me of Mark Singer from V, you know? I was like, he looks like that guy. <laughs> Who also had a great physique. <laughs> yeah, he, he was like, what, what did he do? Like some Crawl the Conqueror? I don't know. He was he did some... Uh, Crawl the Conqueror? He was like... <laughs> I think Mr. Science... Like, Mystery Science Theater did some shit to them, you know, like to that movie. But, uh. Mark Singer. Like, yeah, Lex Luger, the steroid pumped up version of Mark Singer. <laughs> same face. Same exact face, basically. Like, and they wore about the same tightness jeans, you know, like they were very tight. Um, but, uh, but Luger was the. Um, we're going to have to talk about uh, the greatest performances of Luger one of these days. But, uh. You, we'll talk about Sting. We'll talk about Luger. We'll talk about Dusty. We got a lot. We got a lot of people to talk about. The Road Warriors were the first tag team. Um, next show, Logan, it'll be the greatest performances of the Midnight Express. All right. Well, let's just say, like, with in terms of the uh, the history of this team, like, what team do you think is up the Road Warriors in terms of like of, of name value? In the wrestling industry, the Midnight Express. Those are the three big ones, right? But yeah, none of them. Ladies, yeah, no, no teams today. <laughs> and what? You know, but what about from the WWF? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, who for the the Hart Foundation, the British Bulldogs? Yeah, the Hart Foundation, British Bulldogs, and and maybe Beefcake and. Uh, no, 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 Beefcake no, no. Uh, and, uh, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, the Rockers. The Rockers, yeah, definitely the Rockers. Probably the biggest uh, for the last thirty years when it comes to tag team wrestling. Yeah, I guess I guess you have uh, Edge and Christian, the Hardy, the the Hardy, um, the New Age Outlaws. Yeah, some some good ones. All right, man. Well, we're gonna be getting into some other tag teams, but the Road Warriors are definitely at the top here. So I'm sorry, like we probably didn't even do them justice because they're so awesome. But you know, we did our best. Thanks again, man. All right, next time we talk Midnight Express, I will talk to you next week, big man. All right, peace. And everybody, this is the Pro Wrestling Opinion Show, and though we are not officially affiliated with uh, superfriendsuniverse.com, I advocate that site. It's very good. And I do have a show that appears on there. It's World Championship Boxing. So check it out. Peace. And uh, shout-out to Mark Wren. Shout-out to DC Sniper, who was on the show last uh, episode. And uh, shout-out to everybody. Happy New Year, and thanks for listening. Peace.